Well, good morning again, and glad to see you with us all. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Okay, okay. Once you've heard those lines, you know that you're in some alternate universe or some fictional planet where the laws of biology and physics are different from the world that you and I, that we actually live in. And whenever you see humans flying through the air, you know, without wings, without engines, you know you're watching a movie full of superheroes with their matching superpowers. And I know for myself, uh, I would want flying because flying is that most common superpower that we see in all the movies. It would cut down on our commute for all of us that are going back into the office. And it would probably be more fun than a Star Trek transporter. You get at least some fresh air. So as we move back into, as we move into the back half of our summer preaching series on the Apostles' Creed, we encounter this line: Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. We've covered a lot of incredible, incredible scenes, oxymorons like the virgin birth, dead Messiah, but this line seems right out of a superhero movie complete with CGI and all the green screens. This week we have a part of the creed that even if you've been saying it all your life, you may have neglected or glossed over it. A bit like what Karen was mentioning last week, that Jesus descended to the dead. And this week we have these words that makes us scratch our heads perhaps, Jesus ascended into heaven. Why do we bother with these few words and why have them there at all? The back half of this line, we, we have familiar words. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And they're familiar because the early Christian writers talked about Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father very often. And we hear this terminology, right hand man, the crown princess, and they're common labels that we generally know about. You know, this is a second person with the same powers, rights, and authorities as the person on top. And as I preached a few weeks back, Jesus is our Lord, by right, as the Son of God. Okay, so then what about that first part, Jesus ascended into heaven? Because the narrative of Jesus' ascension is hardly ever covered in the whole Bible, only seven verses, which is nothing compared to the chapters that we have on his death and resurrection. So today we're going to look at Jesus' ascension and why it was necessary. Because as much as we, we might want Jesus to be here with us physically, in bodily form, we'll explore that and we'll look at why, with the help of our scripture reading from Ephesians, why Jesus' ascension is a key part to the confession of our faith. So over the course of our series, we've been asking that question, what if it's true? We've been asking that for every line of the creed, but this week, if we believe that those other lines are true, Jesus is God's only son, Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried, Jesus rose again, then as strange as this week's line feels, it logically follows. Because Jesus ascended, he left this earth, one way or the other, Jesus isn't here anymore. So as part of my research and the inspiration to preach today, 
I was looking through various medieval art that depicted Jesus' ascension, and I was fascinated by this group of paintings that showed only Jesus' disappearing feet. So here's one, one that you can see on the screens. And in this one, there is this little cloud or a puff of smoke under his feet, almost as if he has rocket feet, propelling him up into space. For those of a certain vintage, Astro Boy comes to mind. And his disciples are watching, confused, some with their jaws dropped as Jesus goes up. But none of them look happy. They're not joyful at this liftoff. This is not SpaceX or Saturn V cheers at liftoff in Ke at Kennedy Space Center. At Kennedy Space Center. Instead, I'm sure that what many of them were filled with was sorrow and dread. Because their leader who had once been dead, now alive, this friend of theirs, their leader is now taking off into the sky and leaving them behind. And today we, we know all about Earth's atmosphere, right? We know that as you keep on going, what did Jesus do? Did he go past the International Space Station? Did he go past satellites, past the moon into heaven? How did he survive his human resurrected body? How did it survive in space without a spacesuit? So those are obvious questions that we have now with our modern scientific understanding. But if we've believed the other lines of the creed, that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary, that he rose from the dead, then perhaps we could say, yes, it is possible that this divine man, Jesus, holy God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, who created the rules of Newtonian physics and human biology, maybe Jesus doesn't need to follow these rules this way. He made the rules, he can break the rules. But even with all the, our superhero antics, flying to the sky, we are still left with the question of why. Regardless of his mode of departure, why did he have to leave? The previous weeks, we've talked about Jesus' earthly life. That was good. We've talked about his death. Sad, but in the end, ultimately, it was good. And of course, Jesus' resurrection is good. But all of those have a clear impact on our lives, on our faith. But what about the ascension? Regardless of what you believe, if you believe wholesale in all of the Apostles' Creed, I think most of us would say that it would have been better if Jesus did not live, if Jesus did not leave. Things would be so much easier with him still here on earth. His ascension seems like a bad plan. Think about evangelism and our Christian efforts to try to share the news of Jesus and trying to prove Jesus' existence. Well, that'd be so much easier if we can point over to the guy in the news in Jerusalem, healing all those people, making buffets out of two fish and five loaves, thousands of people eating. You know, Christians would have the physical proof that we, we would show how important our leader and our savior is. Sure, faith would still be needed to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was born of a virgin, but he'd be right there. We could point to him. Or think about our grief and our suffering that breaks into our human lives. Jesus could physically be there to put his hand on our shoulder. Anyone who touched the hem of his robe would be healed with faith. But instead, we currently pray to a Savior we cannot see and a we cannot hear. 
So why ascend to heaven? Why did Jesus leave us behind here on earth? So fortunately, in our reading from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus in modern-day Turkey, the Apostle Paul, he writes that when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to his people. So Jesus leaving, ascending into heaven, he gives gifts. And who doesn't like gifts? Paul sees in Jesus a victorious warrior ascending into heaven after his death and resurrection, where he had defeated sin and death. These two, sin and death, are the common enemy, the ultimate enemies of humanity, and they used to hold humanity captive, but now they are the ones captive. And this reminds us of that icon that Karen shared with us last week, where there are those two angels binding death in chains. And actually, Paul is referring to something of an ancient practice in in the Roman times and before when triumphant leaders would return home to the cheers and adulations of their citizens. Carts of plunder, maybe gold, jewels, animals. They would follow behind as evidence of victory. And maybe you'd have some of their defeated enemies in chains and humiliation. In the Roman Empire, citizens would actually set out tables of food and the returning soldiers would basically have a drive-by buffet, walk and eat as they celebrated. And nowadays, we actually have something similar, you know, victory parades. We haven't had one in Toronto in in a few years, but God willing, we might. We have those for them when they win. And when war veterans receive medals, when someone important is given the keys to the city. And so Paul sees this part of the victory parade, but he actually sees one part different, where Jesus is the one giving the gifts. He's not the one receiving this time. You see, earlier in Jesus' life, when he was born, when he was brought into this world through the virgin birth, he did receive gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. But now as he's leaving, he ascends back to God the Father. This time, he's the one giving gifts. And these gifts aren't just trinkets of the spoils of war, a share of the loot. Paul is actually describing gifts as spiritual gifts, spiritual vocations. Some would be apostles, prophets, evangelists, Some would be pastors and teachers. And as we consider these gifts, they are helpful. They are indeed helpful skills and gifts for his followers to have, but they still pale in comparison to having a physical, walking, talking, eating, breathing Jesus on this earth. Imagine, you know, we're going to have a summer storm, maybe sometime in August, where the electricity is off in your house. And it would be great to have all the right tools, all the right instructions, a bit of know-how how to fix that up. But I'm sure all of you would rather have Toronto Hydro, the licensed electrician, actually fixing up what's happening. And the disciples feel the same. They would have given back those gifts to have Jesus with them. Because even with all those gifts, it still seems like it would be better if Jesus was still there. And so here is where the words of Jesus are actually very helpful for us because in the 16th chapter of John's gospel, Jesus says that it is to your advantage that I go away. As Jesus departed from earth and went to heaven to the realm of God, he didn't leave his disciples empty or deficient, holding onto a random grab bag of gifts and skills. And he didn't leave them like sheep without a shepherd, followers without a leader, 
He tells them that if he does not go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to them. And this is why Jesus left. Jesus left so that his divine presence would not be restricted by a human earthly body. Jesus' body that was fully human was restricted to one place, one time. But by leaving, Jesus didn't make the world empty of God's presence. Instead, he gave the gift of the Holy Spirit so that God's presence would be available to all people through the Holy Spirit. All people, all times, all places. In the next two weeks, we're glad that Tyler's returned because he's going to be sharing about the Holy Spirit. Sharing about how the Holy Spirit is the one who gives these spiritual gifts and talents, even to us now. 2,000 years after Jesus' ascension, the Holy Spirit is that ultimate gift from Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is the gift that gives and gives. The never-ending gift giver. And in the Bible, we hear of other instances of people, holy people, going up to heaven instead of dying. We hear about Moses and Elijah. And they both had successors ready to take over the role of leadership or the role of prophecy. And Jesus did the same. Ten days after his ascension, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to continue teaching his followers, to equip them to carry on his earthly ministry, healing and sharing the good news of God's kingdom. All these different spiritual gifts, skills, talents, they're given to one body through one spirit, and they serve one Lord. The Holy Spirit is the one who builds us up as one body of Christ, and the end goal of all these, go- all these gifts, it's not individual gain. It's not for me, myself, and I. But they are for our shared community as we grow into the full stature of Christ. Or in other words, as we become more Christ-like. And so this is the true gift of Jesus' ascension. Not the spiritual gifts or the special knowledge to put on a CV, but rather that we can meet and experience Jesus even today so many years after he walked on this earth. So if you today, if you desire to know what heaven is like, if you desire to see heaven where God's presence dwells, know that heaven enters in wherever Christ enters, even in this life. And for believers and followers in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit and the gifts that Jesus gives, these spiritual gifts they are actually a foretaste of heaven. So while we no longer have the physical bodily presence of Jesus here with us on earth, let us give thanks for the gifts he gave. Let us give thanks for his Holy Spirit sent to us to be with us. Let us give thanks for the Holy Spirit who gives us access to Jesus' victorious resurrection, that resurrection life that is available to all people, all times, all all places. Let us give thanks that Jesus is the one Lord above all and through all and in all. Let us give thanks that Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen.